2020 was an absolutely devastating year for restaurants. Um, so much hardship and, and layoffs and, and closures and, and you know, it was really painful to watch our industry go through what, what happened. But luckily, we, we were part of the, the solution here as, as we have products and services to help restaurants reach customers outside of their four walls, which became increasingly important as the dining rooms were shutting down um, for most of 2020. Hey, guys, I am super intrigued with the idea of virtual restaurants and ghost kitchens. You have a bricks and mortar restaurant. So here's the concept. You have an existing restaurant that puts out a certain menu, a certain concept or type of cuisine. Well, you can expand your reach, expand your brand with multiple different brand names for the very same food concept that you're already serving. Okay, it doesn't require extra labor. It's literally what you have in your existing kitchen, your existing staff preparing that type of cuisine. And it's all marketed online through third party delivery platforms. Really interesting stuff. In this week's episode, I'm speaking with Mr. Alex Cantor. Alex is the heir to the Cantor's Deli Legacy, a famous, famous restaurant. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Stay tuned and listen up. You're tuned in to the Restaurant Rockstars Podcast. Powerful ideas to rock your restaurant. Here's your host, Roger Bodwin. Rockstars, let me tell you about Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed for restaurateurs, by restaurateurs. Effective labor management is more important than ever to maximize profit and success, especially now as restaurants begin to reopen and expand their teams. Trusted by over half a million restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to simplify scheduling, easily manage time and attendance, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll systems you already use and trust, turning your team into a competitive advantage to your business. Right now, Restaurant Rockstar's listeners can get three months absolutely free. Get started now at sevenshifts.com forward slash restaurant rockstars. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com forward slash restaurant rockstars to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Now on with the episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Restaurant Rockstars podcast, engaging topics that help restaurants build their brands, rock their profits deliver amazing guest service experiences, and the first and the last are the biggest in this episode. You know, build their brands, rock their profits. It's going to be an amazing conversation. I'm with Mr. Alex Cantor, and he is with the famous, well, he's going to tell us about his backstory, but everyone's heard of Cantor's Deli in Los Angeles. I mean, long history of restaurants and in his family there, but he is the founder of a company called NextBite, and we're going to talk all about virtual restaurants and ghost kitchens because that's what NextBite is all about. Welcome back to the show, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, you know, it's good to have you back. I can't recall exactly when it is, and we'll probably post your first episode uh, in our show notes. We always do that, relevant episodes that the guests like to go back to. But we featured Alex probably over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago with his company called Ordermark. And now we're talking all about NextBite. So Alex, why don't you tell us your backstory in the hospitality business? You know, Take us to the very beginning. I know you started at a very early age just based on your family's restaurant. Yeah, happy to back all the way up here. So I grew up as the fourth generation of my family's restaurant business in Los Angeles called Cantor's Deli. Um, It's one of the oldest and largest restaurants in all of LA. 
and is one of those places that's just kind of stuck in time. Um, the decor and the the whole feeling when you walk in, it's like you're walking into a time machine. And, um, you know, I, I just like my dad and my grandfather, uh, I started at a very young age waiting tables at 12 years old and worked my way up through all the different positions and eventually um, became in charge of all things new and was responsible for adapting the business for the next generation. And uh, part of that meant embracing technology and, and experimenting with new ways to reach customers outside of our four walls. I was very passionate um, about helping um, bring, bring our restaurant into the next generation, offering um, you know, gluten-free bagels and um, vegetarian matzo ball soup and, and really updating the menu for the next generation. And then also on the tech side, I brought in the first point of sale system and renovated the bar and just would take on all these little, little projects um, that, that it was kind of like a, a, a playground for experimentation for me. And um, every year I'd run around to restaurant conferences, signing up for different technologies, trying to see what works, what doesn't work. And um, through a lot of experimentation, our restaurant found lots of success with third-party online ordering, um, specifically through platforms like Grubhub and Uber Eats and DoorDash. And um, I grew uh, sales off-premise off sales to become over 30% of our revenue um, for, our, for our business, which was equivalent to millions of dollars of the, uh, a year um, just on these, on these apps and um, created a, a whole new problem, which was you know, nine tablets, two laptops, and a, a fax machine to manage all the incoming orders. And um, wanted to solve that uh, with, with some other co-founders back in 2017. Started OrderMark, which is a, a restaurant technology company that helps thousands of restaurants manage their entire delivery business. And then um, that actually evolved. And we, we, we launched um, a, a new service offering called NextBite in 2019, that has been a really, really impactful way for us to help restaurants reach new customers and drive meaningful revenue into their underutilized kitchens. And we can get into all of that in a bit, but that's, that's, uh, that's my backstory. Yeah. yeah, that is quite quite a backstory. I mean, you've sort of transformed and revolutionized a family business. It's been around for generations. I'm sure they're super proud of all your achievements there, but you didn't just stop there. I mean, you could have, you know, you could have become the CEO of Cantor's and everything else you were doing, but you just kept going and, and the tech became such a huge piece and you really innovated. You know, you looked at all the new technologies out there and now you've created one of your own, which which is super inc you know, impressive. Do you have a tech background? I mean, are you a sort of self-learned programmer, coder kind of guy, or do you just come up with ideas and work with the right people to make these things happen? I, I, I'm not, uh, my background is not in software or engineering. Um, and, and no, I'm not a, I'm not a coder, but I, um, I definitely have a, a passion for helping restaurants. And, you know, back, back when we were founding OrderMark, we started with four original co-founders. None of us were actually, um, software engineers, but we all um, brought different uh, uh, needs to the table to really get this thing off the ground. And we ended up bringing on three engineers really early on to help build the first version of the product. But we knew, you know, we knew immediately what we wanted to build for restaurants. We knew the problem that we were solving. We felt the problem that we were solving, which was really helpful. And then we we had a test environment to actually build this product from scratch, um, designing it to what we knew how we wanted it to work. You know, building it in a high stress environment was definitely a helpful way to understand like all the nuances that we wanted to build into the dashboard and 
you know, not just aggregating all the incoming orders, but having one dashboard to make menu changes and pause service across all the different online ordering services. Um, so, so we really specked out and scoped out exactly what we what we wanted to build, and then we brought on some engineers to to bring it to life, uh, at least in the first version of that. Fantastic. And it's been going for a couple of years. Did the pandemic increase your business? Did it give you new opportunities? Whereas, you know, the rest of the industry or much of the restaurant industry really, really struggled through this, but certain pockets of the business really thrived, you know? Those that had online ordering immediately had a pivot that they were using before. They could sort of shut down their dining rooms and just kind of go. It seems like the timing for you was kind of the perfect storm, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, to, we we had um, a lot of data and and this understanding that the shift to digital ordering was happening very fast over the next 10 years. Um, the way that customers interact with restaurants has fundamentally changed. Um, and the, the pandemic certainly accelerated that. Um, 2020 was an absolutely devastating year for restaurants. Um, so much hardship and, and layoffs and, and closures. And, and right. you know, it was really painful to watch our industry go through what, what happened. But luckily, we, we were part of the, the solution here as, as we have products and services to help restaurants reach customers outside of their four walls, which became increasingly important as the dining rooms were shutting down um, for most of 2020. So um, we, we, did, um, we did have a, a big growth year for our company in, in the sense that many restaurants were scrambling to implement um, an, off, uh, an omni-channel off-premise uh, off strategy, which meant reaching as many customers on all the different platforms, and then also trying to leverage virtual restaurants to try to create more output of their fixed cost businesses. So we saw basically a lot of restaurants getting really creative, um, trying uh, to transition their menus and change their menus to work in an off-premise environment, which to your point was a lot easier for some restaurants, really hard for others. If you, if you think about fine dining and certain categories that were really not optimized or set up for an off-premise experience, it was even more challenging for groups like that to make that pivot and that transition uh, to make their menu work offline. Um, and or online, and um, we, you know, we we definitely had to to really our, our team really stepped up to help more restaurants than we ever thought that we could um, g- going into into what what happened last year. And and you know, luckily, at least with restaurants reopening now, um, there's the hybrid of you know dining is is making a comeback, but off premise is still a really large category of revenue for for restaurants and much higher than where it was pre pandemic. I don't see that going away at all. I see that having legs long into the future. I mean, people have gotten used to this new way of dining. It's all about convenience. It's all about getting what they want when they want. Yeah, people are still going to go out to full serve restaurants for special occasions and just because they feel like having an experience, but the convenience factor definitely will will continue. So I don't argue that point. Alex, do you have a mix of both full serve and quick serve restaurants that have been utilizing NextBite? Um, yeah, so you know we work with restaurants of all different shapes and sizes and all different geographies. We have, um, you know, everything from franchisees of Subway to local mom and pop restaurants that are you know serving authentic uh, Asian cuisine and and really everything in between. We 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 really um, when we started we were specialized for the mom and pop world. Um, my heart is with mom and pop restaurants. That's that's where um, I'm, I'm very passionate about helping restaurants. And um, when we when we started building products and services to help restaurants, we really thought that's 
the SMD space was where we were going to play. And it still is predominantly where most of our customers are today, but we are starting to see restaurant upstream, mid-market chains, restaurant groups that have, you know, multiple brands under their umbrella are starting to implement our technology and layering on our virtual restaurants through NextBite um, because they see the same opportunity to, to do more out of their existing um, operation. If you think about a restaurant as a, as a manufacturing facility, or you think about the kitchen as a manufacturing facility, most restaurants have a lot of downtime, unless you're in and out where you've got a line from the moment you open to the moment you close. Um, you know, the, the other 90 plus percent of restaurants that are not in that situation have times throughout the day or throughout the week where they can really handle more orders out of their, their operation. And so NextBite, uh, we, we designed that in 2019 as a way to essentially empower restaurants to, to take orders for a second brand or fifth brand um, out of their existing operation just by training these restaurants to say, carry these specific ingredients, make the food this way, and you can turn on you know, Grilled Cheese Society or Miss Maisie's Amazing Chicken out of your existing operation using the same staff that's already cooking the food in your kitchen, using the same rent that's already fixed. And so we're, we're, we really saw an opportunity to look at these fixed cost businesses and say, you know, how, can we, how can we drive even more online orders out of these kitchens, not just by plugging them into all the different delivery channels, but turning on multiple brands on each of those delivery channels as well. So that, you know, we, we saw everyone from fine dining steakhouses to Baja Fresh turning on these virtual brands last year. It's really still an emerging opportunity. You know, like, like you said, you've been running this since 2019, but the concept of virtual restaurants is still, I wouldn't say lost on a lot of operators, but they just haven't really explored or really understood what this opportunity is all about. You summarized it really well saying, okay, we got fixed brick and mortar businesses out there that are busy certain times and they're slower other times. And here's a way to augment increase and increase sales during those slower times by adding brands. So depending on what your concept is, if you're a chicken place, if you're a steakhouse, whatever it is, suddenly you come up with multiple brands that speak to that cuisine that are now spread across the digital world through multiple delivery platforms. And now bang, you've got all this business coming in on a Monday when it was probably your slowest day or whatever. Alex, do you, does a restaurant have the privilege to decide when to turn this on and when to turn this off? Like if they're slamming busy on a Saturday night and they just can't handle anymore, can they just pick and choose when this thing goes, goes live and virtual? Absolutely. And that's, that's actually um, a very important uh, necessary piece of the infrastructure of how we've designed this entire uh, business operation. But basically, um, you know, we have this foundation that we built with Ordermark, which is the technology that we provide to our restaurants to manage their, their delivery business. Mm -hmm. And um, if we went into restaurants and tried to turn on extra brands or extra menus um, without giving them the flexibility that's built into our technology of, you know, walking over to a single dashboard, clicking a button and pausing service or 86 thing, something off the menu, um, it would, it would probably fail. It, it's really not mm -hmm. what, how restaurants are, are, you know, re restaurants really need that flexibility in order to, to manage this in a successful way. And the reality of our industry is that, you know, large party can walk in and you go from being 
you know, pretty dead to all of a sudden very busy in a matter of seconds. So you need to be able to walk over to that order mark dashboard, turn off, you know, whatever orders you want to pause service on or turn off maybe one of the online ordering platforms and keep the others going. And, um, and, and, you know, we, we need to ensure that there's that good flexibility for these restaurants in order for them to be successful with this. All right. Awesome. Let's go back to the simplicity and the technology piece. You mentioned earlier, you know, the nine tablets and the fax machine and all this kind of stuff, and that's all past now. Now we're talking about somehow integrating with your order mark platform. What exactly um, is needed for hardware and an existing POS system in a restaurant works with order marker. Tell us how that all works, please. Yeah. So, you know, every restaurant is really set up differently. Some restaurants have multiple kitchens where they're firing off different items to different places. Some of them have kitchen display screens. Some of them are very old school pencil and paper still um, with a with an old school cash register. So we when we when we built order mark, we really wanted to build with flexibility in mind, knowing that you know there's no standard way in which a restaurant operates. If you think about a poke shop, you know, there's like one line that you walk down and you just like pick all the ingredients um, versus, you know, fine dining restaurant might have multiple stations where they're firing different food out of. So we, we, we really, um, we started with um, the idea of building a single tablet and printer um, that aggregates all the incoming orders from Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, whatever your local delivery services all into, into one centralized place. And it prints out standardized tickets of each order so that the, the, the kitchen staff and the, the people making the food could really put their heads down and focus on what they do best, which is cranking out food and, um, and not think about all the, the, the processes that, that happened prior to us coming in, where you had to manually confirm the order on the physical screen, write down the order information or get it into your POS and send it to the back. And um, that, that was creating... Um, real operational challenges where, you know, many times the orders were getting messed up, food was being left out, the wrong bag was going to the wrong driver. There was just lots of operational challenges that that causes um, the restaurant to have to give refunds on these orders, which, you know, now they're out the food and the money, which which is really um, put, putting the restaurant back. And, and we, we wanted to simplify this process and really um, make it as easy as it can be for the restaurants to just be able to, to be able to crank out as much volume as they can. And, um, and then we, we, you know, we had many restaurants who were asking for integrations with different technologies that they were using in the back of house from POS to KDS. And um, not most of the point of sale companies were actually not um, designed for online ordering injection. It's like fitting a square into a circle. Um, because there are orders that can get modified after their place, orders that get canceled after their place. And um, there, there wasn't a lot of flexibility built into the, to the way that POS systems work. But over the last couple of years, we've partnered with several point of sale companies to really teach them how do, how do you build your infrastructure to, in, to allow for that kind of flexibility where we can send you know, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats orders into their system in a way that is flexible. And, um, and we haven't integrated with a lot of point of sale companies yet until they have the right infrastructure in place. But for now, our, our most popular method in which we partner with restaurants is we ship to them a single tablet and printer that they use to fulfill um, and manage their entire delivery business. Do you care to share which point of sales you're currently integrated with? 
Yeah, there's a there's a list on our website if you go to ordermark.com, but we okay. we work with everyone from Brink to Touch Bistro to Toast to a number of the more modern cloud-based point of sale systems. Gotcha. You mentioned some really um interesting but critical point. What happens? Well, no, let me back up a second. Let's talk about the concept of a ghost kitchen. Okay, a ghost kitchen is putting out food, it goes out into the marketplace, the end user eats the food, but they don't really know where it's coming from. So, let's just say you know, the element of human error is always present, of course, and the unexpected always happens, of course, and things get messed up. And you mentioned it, you mentioned it yourself. How does the end customer um, contact the restaurant when something's or who do they contact when something goes wrong? If it's coming out of a, you know, my bricks and mortar place has 15 different brands and we're selling pizza and we're selling chicken and nobody knows where it's coming from. How does the problem get solved? Who gets restitution and how does that work itself out? Yeah, such a great question. Let me uh, let me first break down. You know, what is a ghost kitchen? Let's talk about that first. And please do. Yep, that. please do. Um, so, you know, th- this is a, a as you've mentioned, is a new emerging type of restaurant. Um, it's essentially a, a restaurant that only exists online. It doesn't have a physical storefront. It doesn't have a front of house. Um, it is a restaurant that is specifically designed and optimized for an off-premise experience. And the food itself can be prepared out of any kitchen um, from a, an existing restaurant to a specific commissary kitchen or delivery only facility that is, that is specifically designed to house these delivery only restaurants. Some examples of, of traditional ghost kitchen uh, uh, businesses are, are like Cloud Kitchens or Kitchen United or um, Reef, which basically these companies are building um, kitchens that are specifically designed to house delivery only brands and delivery only restaurants um, with no you know pickup experience or no uh, dining experience um, but we 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 decided to um, to approach this market a little bit differently so we what we, what we do with nextbyte we don't actually call it a ghost kitchen um, we call what we're building virtual restaurants because these are restaurants that only exist online but they're not being fulfilled necessarily out of a ghost kitchen facility. They're being fulfilled out of any underutilized kitchen, um, typically in the back of a restaurant that already has operating hours that already has fixed costs. And we think that um, that's right. The the way that we've approached this market, um, what we're able to do is layer incremental orders on top of a fixed cost business. So Nextbyte is a portfolio of turnkey delivery-only restaurant brands that we've created from scratch. Um, we've got 15 brands that we've now brought to market. Some of these brands are now spread across hundreds of locations across the U.S. And what we're doing is partnering with local restaurants to teach them how to do more out of their existing output. And when we when we approach these restaurants, we ask one of the first qualifying questions we ask is, you know, can you handle an extra 10, 20, 30 online orders a day out of your existing operation? And if the answer is yes, we've got lots of, of concepts that we can start to walk through and see if they have the right equipment and the right, um, they're in the right location to get the ingredients that they need to carry. And we're able to partner with them and train them and turn them on to multiple virtual restaurant brands that we've created. Um, and each one of those orders that, that, are, that are coming into their business are, are generating this incremental revenue that they were not getting before. And we're paying our restaurants 55% of the gross sales of these incremental orders. 
Um, and the hard cost of these restaurants is, a, is roughly 25% all-inclusive food and packaging costs. Um, and if, if they don't have to hire any extra staff to, to handle these, these extra orders every day, um, that means that these restaurants are making up to a 30% profit margin on each extra order that we're bringing into their restaurants. Whether we're bringing in only a couple orders a day or 100 orders a day, every single order that we're bringing in has a 30% profit margin, which is unheard of in our industry. Um, most restaurants are operating at, you know, if you're lucky, 5 or 10% margins. Uh-huh. Yep. And Canners Deli is trying to operate at 3% margins. And sometimes we, we really fail to hit that. Um, so on, to, to come into an industry that has these razor thin margins and introduce this way of bringing in extra orders that have, you know, really high margins that hit, that are actually hitting the bottom line. Um, it feels like we're creating a more sustainable and profitable operating model for restaurants who are, who are working with us. And part of that means that, you know, we're handling all of the logistics involved from marketing these brands to making sure that they're positioned correctly on the different third-party marketplaces and handling, you know, any issues that come up from the, the customers who are placing orders on Uber Eats, on DoorDash. And so we we handle pretty much everything besides making the food is done um, by our team at NextBite. We've got um, nearly 300 employees now within our company and you know, lots of those teams are are focused on operations and support to ensure that we can we can make it so easy for these restaurants that all they have to do is make food, and and that is you know something that we've signed up for that um, is taking a big burden off of the restaurant's plate. If somebody orders from our celebrity brand Hotbox by Wiz um, on Uber Eats and they place an order and they they need to contact the restaurant or something's. Um, wrong with the delivery or the driver can't find where they're going they're calling us not the restaurant and so we're we're coordinating and handling all of that stuff in the back end and and i think that's why restaurants really enjoy working with us because we've really thought through all the different complications that can happen and go wrong in the delivery experience and we've we've um, set up our our business for scale to enable um, restaurants to, to really focus on the production of food that sounds really dialed, Alex. <laughs> I, I got every word you said. And one thing really stuck out to me. Um, let's talk about consistency and ingredients. You mentioned the restaurant has to sort of perform best practices using certain ingredients to maintain consistency. If somebody goes into Wing Dynasty in LA and then they are in Louisiana, say, and they try it again, it should taste the same, look the same. Am I correct in saying that, that it should all be uniform somehow, regardless of where you get it? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. um, right. you know, awesome. we, yeah, and, and that's a really, you know, one of the hardest things about what we're doing is ensuring that experience is going to be the same, whether you're ordering in Virginia or Miami. Awesome. And, um, and the way that we do that is by investing a lot into our quality control and QA experience. Um, it starts with the concept development um, process itself. So, you, you know, when you think about, when you look at the menus that we're creating, first of all, um, we, we look at like food truck style menus where we pick a specific genre of food and typically we'll have a whole brand design around wings or around grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, because if, if we're trying to do too much, it's going to be disruptive when we try to bring it to restaurants. If we go into a restaurant and tell them, here's a new hundred item menu that you have to take on, it will collapse. 
Um, we're trying to, to bring things into, we're trying to design for, for um, and optimize for, for bringing these brands into a restaurant in a non-disruptive way. And part of that is also looking at, you know, what, agree, what ingredients are available um, and distributed across the country already. Um, we've spec'd out our, our menus on all the major distributors from Cisco to U.S. Foods, Restaurant Depot. And so if you're a restaurant that signs up in Cleveland, Ohio to, to take on Firebelly Wings, um, we have literally mapped out all of the SKUs that you need to carry in order to be a fulfillment partner of these brands. And so all the restaurant has to do is place their order with whatever we've, we've you know, required them to purchase. And um, we have an entire training uh, process where we, we help our restaurants get up to speed quickly on how to make each item and each recipe. And then um, once they're live, we monitor all the reviews that are happening across all the different platforms. We aggregate that and have um, a dashboard for our restaurants to be able to train them on you know, what's, what's working, what's not. We have a secret shopping program where we pay uh, customers to order from our brands on a weekly basis and fill out these very extensive questionnaires, like how many pickles came on the chicken sandwich and, um, you know, filling out lots of little questions and taking pictures of each item to make sure that the stickers on, on the bag were placed appropriately. You know, every little detail matters here. And when we, when we aggregate all this data and information, we can look holistically to see how we're doing across all these systems, see what our ratings look like. And um, if there are any operators that need retraining, we have an entire uh, team for, for you know, making sure that all of those little pieces are being hit correctly. So it's a, it's a huge process that we've built to get our, our fulfillment partners up and running and, and you know, getting them the tools that they need to be successful with these brands. And, um, and so far, you know, we've been able to move at a pace that's never been seen before in this industry. We've brought thousands of virtual restaurant brands to life in, in you know, a little over a year um, because we're not in the business of renting kitchens or cooking food, but rather partnering with restaurants to enable them to do this out of their existing operation. You've thrown a lot of horsepower at this. You know, it, it began with the business intelligence. You've analyzed trends, demographics, psychographics across the country to figure out what the consumer is really looking for. And then you've brought in top culinary talent to design these menus, from what I understand. Is, is all that going on still? Yeah, yeah. We brought on um, some really impressive people into the culinary team. Um, we've got a, a test kitchen in Colorado where we launch and iterate and test our, our brands and our concepts. and and you know, the, one of the most important things to realize here is that it's not about building brands that are going to just sell well or, or that are on trend or in demand, but it's really about nailing the food quality itself. Because at the end of the day, you know, a restaurant will only be successful if people are craving it and desire it and want to come back. And um, there's a chance to, when, when you're building a, a virtual restaurant brand from scratch, there's a chance to, to optimize for a delivery first experience, unlike what's happening in a regular restaurant. Like when, when I brought the Canner's Deli menu online, it was not set up um, and ready for a delivery experience. There were lots of items on there from breakfast items to milkshakes um, that don't hold up well in a delivery experience. Even French fries are something that are you know really hard to get right. And um, when you're building from scratch, in a delivery only world, you can design an entire concept around items that we know are going to actually hold up well, even if they're in a car for 30 minutes. And, you know, that comes, that also uh, means that we're looking into like innovation and packaging. 
Um, we're looking into what what sort of items can can actually do well in this environment and reheating instructions and how do we how do we you know serve something that's unassembled so that it actually arrives you know in a way that's not soggy. If you look at our George Lopez tacos brand, for example, um, instead of sending pre uh, pre assembled tacos to our our customers, we decided that the better way to to send it is actually. Um, with a stack of tortillas, a pile of meat, and then all the little individual things on the side. So almost creating a build your own experience. And that way, you know, every every piece of it, like the things that are intended to stay hot, stay hot. The things that are intended to be cold, stay cold. Instead of just this this box arriving that's like room temperature and everything is like this, <laughs> the same and, and it's kind of soggy. So, you know, we, we've really put a lot of thought into the concept development process and how do we really optimize for the, for a delivery first experience. And, um, and I'm really proud of, of, you know, the brand dev team, the culinary team that we've, we've uh, created to, to ensure that everything that we're, that we're putting out into existing restaurants has been proven and tested and optimized already. All right. You mentioned the 30% profit margin that a restaurant is making now on your brand. So I guess I would automatically assume then that the consistency is a standardized pricing model for each menu item across the country, depending on where it is. It doesn't matter. It's the same price. Um, so there, there is quite um, quite a bit of uh, variance between pricing on food costs across the country. Like if okay. you're buying wings in New York, it's going to cost different than wings in the suburbs of Indianapolis. But um, what we do is we we actually use a price uh, equation to determine how we're going to place the items on Uber Eats and on DoorDash and on these platforms in these various areas, and we help our fulfillment partners um, when we're putting them on these on these different platforms. We're, we're making sure that they're they're still maintaining that twenty five percent food cost range across the board, mm-hmm. um, and and we do that by adding a couple dollars into the price of a you know the items on the menus in New York, for example. You've probably already thought of this, but does it make sense or are you doing it now, putting a buying group together of all your restaurants, going to these major suppliers saying, you know, we're going to give you hundreds of restaurants all buying the same ingredients, bang, to get the best price, bang. Is that the way it's working now? Um, so we're, we're absolutely exploring all the different ways in which we can help bring down pricing across the board for, for our restaurants. When we first started, actually, some of our earliest brands had food costs in the 28 to 30 percent range, and um, we, we've been able to slowly over time, you know, figure out ways to get them lower and lower. And our goal is to, to continue to make it easier and cheaper for them to get access to, to the ingredients that are required for these concepts. And part of that might mean, you know, like looking at, at group purchasing. It also might mean um, partnering with with great distri- distribution companies um, and and you know, co, co, uh, co-packagers, there's a lot of components to all of this, but we, we recently brought on um, a director of quality control from McDonald's and he's really overseeing a lot of the supply chain logistics and the teams that are responsible for helping our restaurants source their, their ingredients and packaging. Wow. Awesome. Let's talk about um, what types of cuisine work best. Is it still limited to like pizza, chicken, burgers, or is it just expanding all the time to different cuisine types? Yeah, you know, it's really fascinating to watch how how quickly some of these trends are, are happening in online ordering sales. We, we subscribe to a lot of different third-party um, databases and, and companies that are, are showing what's trending in um, overall uh, consumer purchasing behavior in restaurants and delivery internationally. 
And uh, we look at all of that and, and sort of pull out um, really, really um, meta learnings for, from this data to, to determine how we're, we're designing and developing our, our new concepts. And um, the things that you think would do well are, are pretty consistent with what does well. You mentioned pizza and chicken and hamburgers. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still, you know, a lot of things that are kind of obvious, but there are lots of options for those items already. So if you launch a wing brand, for example, um, in New York City, you might be one of 300 restaurants to order wings from on Seamless right now. But um, when you start to zoom in a little bit further, you'll see there are... Um, there are a lot of different types of cuisine that are kind of in this rising rising bucket. Um, if you look at um, trends like co- Korean barbecue right now is something that wasn't wildly popular a couple of years ago, but it's starting to grow on these, these online ordering platforms. Of course, there's not Korean barbecue restaurants in every major city, but there's a chance to create some version of a Korean barbecue concept that you can now make available through a virtual restaurant brand that could be fulfilled by lots of different types of restaurants across the country um, in, in a limited, in a limited way, in a limited menu way. So, you know, we're, we're, we are, um, we're doing a ton of experimentation right now to see what works and what doesn't work on delivery. Um, we just launched a, a recent brand. It's a Mediterranean pizza concept. It's basically, um, you know, it's called, it's, it's essentially a, it's called Sata and it's, it's these, these pita pizzas that have uh, different types of flavors of hummus as the base instead of tomato sauce. And, um, you know, I don't think anyone's ever created a Mediterranean pizza brand before. Um, but when we, when we launched it in our test kitchen, it, it started performing you know really well on these third party marketplaces. The repeat um, order behavior was, was higher than what we've seen on a lot of our other brands. And so we were really excited to run with this new brand and, and concept. And now we're signing up fulfillment partners all across the country in major cities and suburbs, college campus markets to see how this thing is going to perform in different environments. And, um, you know, if you, if you would just look at the data, you wouldn't know a Mediterranean pizza brand is what's, is what's going to work. But, you know, lots of people like pizza, lots of people are trying to eat healthier. So we married those two things together and, you know, brought to life a, a totally new concept that had never been done before. This is unbelievable. Let's talk about territories, boundaries, exclusivities, crossover. How do you, how, the logistics of all that, it's got to be crazy <laughs> as you grow across the country. How does it work? Yeah. So we, um, you know, we already have a network of thousands of restaurants that are using our technology to manage their delivery business. Um, so, you know, we start by first reaching out to order more customers to say, can you handle extra orders in your kitchen? And, and if the answer is yes, then we walk them through a process and see if they're a good fit for any of our, mm-hmm. of our brands. And that's, that's one way in which we're, we're bringing these brands to life. But we're at the point now where we have uh, many restaurants reaching out to us saying, you know, non-order mark restaurants saying, you know, we're, we're, we, we need more volume, light us up with more orders. What, what kind of brands can we be doing? And um, in, in our industry, restaurants talk to each other a lot. So there's a lot of word of mouth going around, a lot of referrals. We have, you know, our own marketing efforts that we're doing. Uh, we, we participate in, in conferences and lots of um, online panels and experiences to, to, to spread the word of what we're doing because it's a very new concept right now. If you would have walked into a restaurant five years ago and said, hey, do you want to run more restaurants out of your restaurant someone would have thought you were insane 
um, or that, you know, there it's like a distraction or whatever, but there's really an opportunity to bring this in in a way that is, like I mentioned, non-disruptive and, and really incremental to, to what these restaurants are doing. And if you think about, um, you know, we have, we have lots of examples where we have, um, a high-end restaurant that is very slow in the morning hours, uh, going back to day part. So they've turned on now our breakfast burrito brand called Huevo Rito, and they're lighting up breakfast burritos all morning, which was a day part that they didn't even have open uh, pr- prior to this. And now they can they can sell an extra couple thousand, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of orders a month in 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 this new brand with keeping one extra person on staff uh, for the that morning shift, and. It's a great way to just do to create more output out of a kitchen. I, I I was starting to go down this path earlier, but if you think about a kitchen as a manufacturing uh, facility, most restaurants are operating at I would say thirty percent output, and we're coming in and bringing them up to forty or fifty or sixty percent output, sometimes even more than that, by by focusing on bringing in brands that are reaching different day parts, and. And our goal is to is to really get even further nuanced into like the timing of everything. Like we've got some brands that are doing really well late night after the dinner rush, and a lot of restaurants, you know, may close at 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. But now they can turn on multiple brands and stay open until two or three in the morning and reach an entire different audience that they would never reach without without these concepts. How does uh, let me ask again about the exclusivity and how that works. Cause you know, you could have two restaurants in two different States that are literally across the border, five miles apart. And you know, they both want to work with you. So do you somehow negotiate who gets what brands and all that sort of thing? Yeah. So, um, so, t- uh, on the, the topic of, of delivery radius exclusivity. So we, we provide yeah. our restaurants with a three mile delivery radius in which mm-hmm. they're able to serve, uh, these brands and we we won't sell into you know restaurants across the street or a mile away if, yes. if those brands are already taken in those markets. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's a little bit different in in really highly concentrated markets um, where there's lots of uh, tall buildings and and you know more people to to service in a in a delivery territory. So we will um, bring that down in certain markets like New York City and up in Chicago. Um, where it's it's there's actually the ability for multiple um, operators to coexist in a certain in a certain uh, geography, but for the most part, um, once you sign up to to be a, fulfill, a fulfillment partner for these brands, you have that territory to yourself. Got it. All right, last question. Let's talk about the entire process. I'm intrigued. I'm listening to this podcast. I a light bulbs already gone off in my head about 30 <laughs> times now. I want new business. I want to work with you, Alex. What's the process? What's the timeline to go? It's like, walk me through a new client relationship and what it takes to set it up. What's the strategy and the timeline? Yeah. So if, if you're a restaurant and you're ready to start lighting up your kitchen with more orders, first of all, you can go to nextbite.io. Um, Put in a couple pieces of information, and someone on our team will will give you a call right away, and um, you know talk through what this what this looks like. But essentially, timeline wise, um, we have restaurants uh, asking to turn on these brands, and we have them up and running typically within a month of of uh, the the whole process from um, being interested to signing up to being trained to turning these brands live on the online ordering platforms to taking your first order. 
is about a month long process. Not bad. The, training, the training process is just a couple of weeks. You got to get your first order of food in. And, um, and then you can, you can start with, you know, one or two brands. You can start with three or four brands. Um, we have some restaurants right now that are doing up to 10 or 12 of our concepts out of a single kitchen, um, which is not how I would recommend starting. I think it's a really good, uh, good place to get to, but yeah. if you just want to try something like this out, um, we have some brands that are really easy to turn on and get start get going with, and then you can kind of build from there. That sounds like a sound strategy to me. Yeah, <laughs> walk before you run, but it is a fantastic opportunity for the future. And what restaurant doesn't need incremental revenues from an existing kitchen? Fantastic, Alex. That was great. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for having me. And you know, really, we're really excited about what we're building. We feel like we're really just getting started as a company, and. Uh, it's yeah, it's a really interesting wild west moment in time for what we're doing. Thanks again. Well, that was the Restaurant Rockstars podcast audience. Thanks so much for tuning in. Again, we'll see you next time. As always, I appreciate you listening. I'm super intrigued with this idea of expanding your reach and expanding your brand with multiple brand names. Really, it's kind of genius actually. So, thanks so much to Alex Cantor for being my guest this week's episode. You know, these are the most challenging times our industry and our restaurants have ever faced, my own restaurant included. I see it all the time in clients I work with. Costs are rising. You know, expenses are killing us. The staff might be friendly, but are they really selling and increasing our sales? You know, is your restaurant busy, but your bank account's just not growing? Well, we have the solution to all of these at restaurantrockstars.com. Check out our Restaurant Rockstars Academy. It is a turnkey series of systems to increase your marketing firepower, to train your staff and build what I call your dream team, as well as control your costs and maximize your profit. It's all there at the Restaurant Rockstars Academy. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Seven Shifts, the all-in-one labor management platform, and Cisco. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Rockstars podcast. For lots of great resources, head over to restaurantrockstars.com. See you next time.